ECU, Private Nation, Purple and Gold Family, stand to your feet, put your crossbones up, and lean side to side, yeah, and lean side to side, yeah, and lean side to side, come on, yeah, 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 welcome to the island, man, it's crazy in here, a whole sea of purple and gold waving in here. Welcome into the Sports Objective Podcast. The Pirates football playback. Pirates victorious 52-29 to on homecoming over the Tulane Green Wave in front of nearly 33,500 at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. As you see there on the screen for our live viewers, the first time the Pirates won three in a row since way back in 2014. So um, very big night um, there at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium right now. We'd like to welcome in. Kyle from LaGrange Barber. Kyle, how are you? What's going on, Bubba? Big night tonight uh, at Daddy Ficklin, man. I, I can't think of a more perfect day at Daddy Ficklin. The weather was perfect. Uh, no long lines at the concession stands. Uh, the crowd, you know, not as big as the previous two, but the crowd that was there was super into it. Hell of a performance by the football team. Even Parmalee was good at halftime. And how about my suggestion that they play getting down in a Pirate Town game, and they did it. Thank you, Brian Medor, for getting that to the people that needed to get to. And uh, what a perfect day at Dowdy Ficklin. Yeah, no doubt about it. Over 600 yards of total offense for the Pirates, something we'll touch on as uh, we move deeper into the show here in just a minute. But also like to welcome in um, AT, Alan Thomas. Alan, how are you? Man, couldn't be better. It's what a release. Um, we've talked about it since the end of the game. To, to put 52 points on the board, uh, win a game going away. Uh, seeing the the unveiling of uh, a full offense, which we we knew these guys were sandbagging. We talked about this the past few weeks. We saw glimpses of what they could do with these sets, with these phenomenal tight ends, and 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 how about our defense? You know, even though we give up a a twenty nine spot to a prolific uh, Tulane offense, they had the chance to, to to work in combination with an East Carolina offense that had sustained drives although we weren't uh glorious on third down i think we were three for 15 we were four for five on fourth down plays yeah so watching this team willing to, to roll the dice um even on some plays i was very surprised uh, um fourth and 10 we throw a 40-yard touchdown pass a sneed um and just saying we, we we saw a very different team i got a feeling that we're going to be seeing um uh donny k's uh pimp walk uh, meme uh, up, up on uh, Twitter again as the co- as the uh, offensive coaches uh, go into film film study for tomorrow. And all three of us were fortunate enough to be in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, but uh, I know this guy would have loved to have been. But we'd also like to welcome in Matt Semenzo watching on ESPN Plus uh, up in Connecticut. Matt, I know that was a very exciting game. Um, you know, what were some of your major takeaways? Hey, what's up, fellas? Good to see you. Yeah, I uh, I had the ESPN3 coverage today, which was, wasn't the greatest, so uh, I was a little jealous of you guys. But nice to be with you after a win. Um, you know, coming into this game, we're a three-point dog at home. And uh, to come away with this type of victory, a, a pretty convincing victory where we were we were the more physical team all day. We ran the ball down their throat all day. You know, we finished up with 310 yards on the ground. Um, and the difference from last year to this year was was staggering. It was night and day. We looked like the superior team. We looked like the team with better athletes. And we played a lot more physical. Um, so, you know, hats off to, to the coaching staff. Um, I was pretty critical last week on this show of, of I thought, you know, the product we, we saw on the field against Charleston Southern. And they bounced back big time this week. So just a, just a hell of a performance and, and nice to get a win at home. Matt, you mentioned the uh, the running game, how dominant it was. Over 300 yards rushing. How about the most rushing yards we've had in a game? Uh, apparently, what I heard earlier, since 2007 against Memphis. I don't know if that's uh, correct, but that's what I heard earlier. And uh, that, that's 14 years ago. That's, that's pretty amazing. Unbelievable, Kyle. And, you know, you look at Keaton Mitchell. He averaged 14.8 per carry today, 14.8. Unreal. I mean, this is starting to look like CJ, you know, uh, 2K all over again and Dowdy Ficklin. So this is exciting to see. Um, yeah. Just a tremendous job. 
As far as Keaton, uh, Keaton finished with 222 yards, like you said, nearly 15 yards a carry, and had those two big runs early, uh, 59 yards uh, that set up, uh, I guess, with the field goal, and then 60, 68 yards for a touchdown. So five plays now uh, for Keaton Mitchell in excess of 59 yards in this season. What was Rajay's numbers, uh, Bubba? You know, uh, 20, I had 20 rushes, 20 rushes for about 70, 70 plus on the day. So they both ran about the even number of carries. Rajay picked up a lot of tough yardage. You remember there were yes. several points in these series where it was third and one, third and two, even fourth and one, fourth and two. Also the little shuttle pass for the touchdown. Very key point in the game that really that really separated us um, as we struggled in the third quarter. Yeah, Rajay had some key plays in the second half. Um he he didn't he didn't have the big explosive runs that Keaton has, but as you mentioned, AC there was there was some some key moments, particularly in the second half, where Rajay picked up two, three, four yards, a couple touchdowns down in the red zone. So, uh, but both uh, both played their part tonight, and uh, they were used in the proper ways they should be. That Rajay will tell you he can't hit an explosive play. He just hadn't done it yet this year. I'll tell you, I don't, I don't, I struggle to recall the last time East Carolina has had a combination of two backs like this playing at the same time. And, you know, and now the emergence of the tight end play, which we saw glimpses of this earlier in the year, seeing the uh, – and we just burned them over and over again on the little tight end screen play. We ran a jet sweep with, with Jones, a tight end yeah. for yards. Um, what a weapon pair we have with, with Calhoun and, and Jones and – um, you know, we're three or four, Zach Bird. I mean, we were three or four deep in that position, but guys, uh, we talked about this before. We, we may have really honestly on, on the skill position, some of the most talented pieces we've had in a long time. And, and all just to mention something here to you, Vanderbilt, uh, just kicked a very long field goal to win with no time on the clock over hapless UConn, which had driven down to take <laughs> in this game. Or so Vandy gets, gets a three seconds left, kicks the big field goal from about midfield. Almost a perfect day for Matt. He had Pirates won UConn almost. Are you are you are you a secondary UConn fan, Matt? Living up there in Connecticut? Not at all, Kyle. Not okay, at all. all right. <laughs> Not even close. But but I do. My brother is a professor at UConn, so I have some allegiance. But no, go Vanderbilt. Good deal. Good deal. I uh, yeah. You, you mentioned the last time we had two running backs. That's good. AT. I you know I, I'd say Chris Johnson and Dominique Lindsay. But it seemed like neither one of them – it always seemed like Dominique was injured or Chris wasn't having a good day. It didn't seem like it was very often that those two had a good day at the same time. They both were very talented backs. They, they were. They, 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 they were a great set of backs. That's been, that's been a while. That's been a minute since we've had that kind of talent. But uh, they weren't matched with the tight end play that we have and some of the other pieces I think that we have. It, it's such a matchup advantage, especially on the college level to have prolific tight ends that can catch the ball and and block like these guys do. I think we've only just begun to see what a, a matchup advantage that may be for us going through, going forward this year. And look, at times, you know, Tulane early especially, dialed up some pressure on Holton. Yep. And seeing him, um, you know, take off through the middle and pick up that key touchdown, 20-plus yard run, I think was a really – Big point in the ball game. It put a lot of stress on their defense, forcing them to really have to play eleven on eleven, and uh, they were never able to solve what we were doing the whole day. It looked a lot easier for Holton today than it has been in the past. There was nowhere near. Yes, they got pressure on him, but it, there wasn't as much pressure for Holton to make plays in this game. It, it, the way these running backs were running, and with those tight ends, he, he, he it seemed mentally. I mean, the game seemed a lot easier for him today. We controlled time of possession. I think we were, whatever, 30-plus minutes for the game. The balance of 300-plus yards running, rushing, and 300-plus yards passing. And, um, and you know, two tough teams played today. We were way more physical. Our defensive backs are so ball-hawking at this point. You know, their quarterback, hey, talented kid. We, we knew coming in what they did in their comeback for Oklahoma. We knew our game wasn't over. But the four picks were so important to really extinguish their drives. I mean, it was just, it was a killer on them. At the end, they were just done. They didn't even take snaps at the end of the game. It was it was over. Yeah, those interceptions were huge. Defense wasn't perfect today, but 
got – they made plays when they needed to make plays, and those two picks late were, were absolute backbreakers. Um, just just so many so, so many places to point, so many heroes. One, one thing I, I'll mention, guys, you, you, you always don't want to think about it, uh, we're three points away from being uh, from from being four and one. I mean, think about that. Uh, outside of that App State performance, if you go back to that South Carolina game and you and, and you take care of business, we're, we're four and one right now. No doubt about it. And you know, that's a, that's a that would be a tough four and one because it doesn't. It feels kind of ugly at times. You know, yeah. I mean, today today was probably the cleanest game we've played since SMU. Um, and, you know, you look back to last week, it just felt like an ugly win. It actually felt more like a loss to me than a win. And I think it did for you guys, too. Um, but at the end of the day, you're right. I mean, we are very close to being a four-in-one team. Um, and, you know, most importantly, you get this this win in conference. So, so here we go. Um, exciting times. A great turnaround by this team. Well, I think the problem is, and the reason we were so upset last week, it's not just the performance. We, we know – at least we all thought we were going to be a pretty good football team this year. And we've seen glimpses. You know, you saw glimpses on the defense against South Carolina. You saw us open up the offense in that fourth quarter comeback and throw it to the tight ends, et cetera, against Marshall. And, and, and then last last week, rather, you, you had the bad performance against Charleston Southern, and you wonder, well, you know, can we get it done? You start doubting the football team, doubting the coaching staff more so. Uh, so tonight, to come out and have a performance like that, I think it kind of vindicated what the fan base thought is that this was going to be a pretty good football team, and uh, it kind of it kind of gives you confidence again in the coaching staff that these guys do know what they're doing. Uh, we're halfway. The goal, you know, that's been spoken out loud is to get to a bowl this year. We're halfway there now. Uh, six and six should get you to a bowl game. We got three. Uh, who knows? You know, I I don't want to sit here and say six is the ultimate goal because look, if you look at this conference right now with you know, Temple beating UC or uh, Temple beating Memphis, UCF dropping the Navy. Um, you know, the way this thing is set up, we don't have divisions. You, you can pretty much pencil in Cincinnati, but if you finish second in this conference, you're playing for the championship. Uh, so who knows what can happen uh, between now and that first weekend in December? Well, two, two things. Um, all of the unforced errors we made last week were, were maddening all the dead ball penalties and just the, the lack of discipline to see that get cleaned up in one week really um, to me was, was really reflects good, you know, the coaching's points of emphasis over this week of practice. I'll give them credit for that. And then the glimpses of, of um, schemes that we ran um, that we saw bits and pieces of in a couple of games and, and see all that emerge with, you know, being able to have sustained drives. I mean, just, you know, we, we, we saw for the first time, arguably, and maybe since he's been here, um, since a couple of games early on against some inferior, very inferior opponents. I, I think Tulane bounces back and wins a lot of games this year. You know, I mean, they were pretty undisciplined at times. I think they really cracked under pressure in this game. I think our physicality surprised them. And what we were able to do, they never saw what we were able to do to them. But, but honestly, we say this every week. It, it all begins with you play against looking in the mirror and what can you control on all three phases of the game? What can you control? And if you can maximize that with this team, with the home run hitters and the players we have, and even defensively, the ball hawking guys we have, uh, the sky's the limit. I mean, the league we thought we were going to see coming into this thing, somebody put all these teams in a bag and shook them up. And you look after this week, who would have thought you'd be looking at what you're seeing at UCF, what you're seeing, um, you know, Temple pulling off another big win and all, all this whole league. Hey, anything's possible, guys, other than what, Kyle, I think you said it best, other than having a matchup with Cincinnati towards the end of the year. I think everything else is absolutely in play. If the team that we saw today is able to show up on the road and, and play well. Well, one thing for sure, you're not going to put the offense back in the bag now. So, uh, once it's open, it's open. You know, how soon will people be able to figure some of it out uh, and be able to scheme it a little bit better now that we've kind of showed our full hand? Uh, who knows? Uh, got UCF up next. They got their own problems with quarterback. Of course, they got a, a hell of a coach with Gus Malzahn. I, I'm quite sure, you know, uh, whoever they started the quarterback this week will 
progress from from game one to game two. But uh, I'm, I'm still going to try to enjoy this one a little bit longer, guys. Well, well how yes. about this? Let me let me throw this in for discussion as well. How about the use of Garcia today? Yeah. Um, you know, what do you guys what do you guys think about that, Matt? And he he came in early in this game and ran some sets. Normally, when we've seen come in, you're like, this is essentially a wildcat formation, but to get through a touchdown pass, you know, and, and help pick up some key key running yards. What, what's your thoughts on that? I, I love seeing them get in the game, and I think they did a. I think they were smart the way they utilized them because they have showed that wildcat look, especially in the red zone. And so, from a Tulane perspective, defensively, you're thinking, all right, when Garcia comes in the game, we know what we're going to get, right? But what we did was smart. We actually used him to throw the ball, um, and it led to a touchdown. So, um, again, smart play, creative, trying to keep the defense on their toes. Um, he did take a big shot late in that game. I don't know if you guys saw it. He got his bell rung a little bit. Um, but he's a big kid. He's a big physical kid, and he seemed to bounce back from it. But happy to see him get in the game. And, uh, you know, I, I do hope we can, we can utilize him a little bit more every week. Yeah, it's it's good for a couple of different reasons. One, you, you want to keep him happy. You know, he is a talented kid. You don't want him starting to think about that transfer portal with, you know, Holton will probably come back for one more year. Um, uh, another thing is you never know when Holton can get injured. Uh, plus, COVID, hell, is still out there. So, uh, you, you never know when you're going to need Mason Garcia. And the more playing time he gets, the better, particularly in key situations where it's not mop-up duty where the game's still on the line. Um, so uh, glad to see him in. He's produced when he came in. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I, I think anytime you, you can you can play another quarterback without starting a quarterback controversy and just provide something else to the defense that's fair for. Him. Yeah. yeah Go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. Oh, you brought up the play of uh, our tight ends. Um, today we probably we had you know ten plus touches for Calhoun and Ryan Jones combined, and it, it was really a coming out party. A source for Ryan Jones, I think, what he finished with six catches for about a <clears throat> sixty yards or something like that. And um, you referenced the jet sweep on that. Um, at least a, at least one or a couple of those went down as receptions because. Holton flipped it to him, but um, getting the ball to Ryan Jones in a variety of ways, and that's something that Donnie Kirkpatrick had referenced during his midweek press conference. Yeah, and anybody that's watched um, Virginia uh, the, this year and the type of offense they run, I got to see them in person a couple of weekends ago, and, and the, the two and the two and three tight end sets they run, jet sweets with a tight end, the tight end playing uh, wildcat. Um, there, there's just some, some, some pieces of this that we've added. Uh, like you said, that's a lot to prepare for, uh, for an opposing defense, the type of things we're doing. And, and knock on wood, I hate to even mention it, but, hey, just protecting the football, right? And like you said, when Garcia got his bell rung, I was, I was like, did he still have the football? And mm-hmm. I was a little concerned, but, you know, doing a good job. And, and um, you know, we, we went from being, you know, very – vanilla type offense last week obviously we're sandbagging for you know launching here in conference play this week to going for five times on fourth down still blows me away and and some long distance fourth downs how about the touchdown to Snead right down the middle right on a fourth and whatever play just uh seeing these guys you know play the percentages i think they knew they need to take they needed to take some possessions away from tulane and kind of get them out of their game and uh they like you said, I think they've been game planning for Tulane since um, July or August, and, and it was very effective today. I, hats off. You know, we give, give them the, giving the staff a hard time, but you've you got to give them credit for, for pulling off a successful launch in, in AAC play. Well, you referenced that throw to Tyler Sneed. Uh, Holton threw three or four really nice deep balls. And, uh, Kyle, very quickly, some folks chiming in on Facebook. You had Richard Aldsbrook saying, when is the last time we scored 52 points? Uh, that was last year's season finale when we beat SMU 52-38. to And then also Jay Charles chimed in saying, um, banged up offensive line. Obviously, last week you had Rob Vanderland go down uh, the Oregon State transfer. Good to see a strong, uh, strong time-consuming drive toward the end of the fourth quarter, um, you know, 
we counterpunched uh, after after they had scored 16 unanswered there in the third quarter. And we responded with two touchdowns. Yeah. And then they put up a touchdown again. Uh, and then we had that drive that I think Jay was referencing to put it away. Yeah, the, the, the answer in their scores, even though, you know, they didn't get two in a row on us. I mean, he got scared there for a minute when they cut a date. But answering after that was huge. Uh, Matt, I asked you before the show, uh, AT alluded to, uh, you know, you, you, you played here in the 90s, uh, so, so you know what it is to prepare at this level. We look so well prepared today, you know, and, and so you were prepared last week. Is it possible, would, would a coaching staff work on a team two weeks in a row and just kind of go base against Charleston Southern without parent really preparing for them? Do you think that really could have happened? So, so, Kyle, I think it's definitely possible, but I'll tell you this, the players would never know it. The players would, would never know it. The coaches would never reveal that information. But I think, you know, maybe when they're in that meeting room, uh, you know, maybe they're saving a few things like you guys had mentioned. You know, maybe they're, maybe they're sort of waiting, holding out for that first conference game. You know, I know if you were to ask Mike Houston or, or Steve Logan, they're going to say, hey, we're going to play them one game at a time and we're going to prepare for each game. But I think there's definitely some of that that goes on behind the scenes, but the players would never, would never know about it. Um, so, so, Hey, I, it, it could happen, Kyle. It certainly looked like it tonight. Yeah, definitely. Really spread the ball around in the passing game. Uh, we talked about some of the offensive performances, uh, especially, especially on the ground, but exactly Kyle, you read my mind, Audi Omatosho, I think he had four catches for 76 yards, and that obviously does not include the one that should have uh, counted there. We, it was the uh, oh. offensive pass interference call, and it was a really bad call down in front of the Murphy Center. He's, he's had that terrible, call. terrible call. He, he, he went up and terrible made a tremendous call. catch. The terrible same thing, call. they called that on him against Marshall also. That is twice now he's been called for that. Um, I don't know what he's doing. That is, that is, that is, uh, he's got for him to get that call twice now. That's you don't see offense passing a call very often. And he's unless, unless, unless it was something early in the pattern where he extended his arm, you know, you yeah. always, you know, you kind of, when, when the ball is launched, we all, you know, th- you know, throw our gaze towards the, you know, where the ball was arcing to. And we see him, we see him rise above the defender, but they showed the replay of the final two seconds of that play, didn't see no. any type of un, un, unfamiliar contact unless he created some separation earlier on Has in the pattern, which he, maybe he did. Yeah, he got called for the same thing at Marshall on a touchdown on a touchdown throw. And uh, we scored on that drive anyway. But it, I don't know, like I said, what he's doing to, to get those calls. Uh, whatever it is, he needs, to, he needs to do it a little bit more sneaky. <laughs> um, but uh, – Twice now he's had that call on him. There were yeah. there were two questionable calls tonight. I thought I thought the one on Audi was one of them. I thought the one on Saber was a terrible call too. If you guys can recall that penalty, I had mentioned it. Pass interference. Pass interference call. If I recall correctly, I think that was a fourth down play. Um, so it was a big play in the game. The ball was thrown well over the receiver's head, out of bounds. Yes. I thought Saber was in good position. So I thought twice. Um, and it's interesting because I, I I could be wrong. I think we had five penalties for about 50 yards tonight. Very clean game right there, but two of them were very questionable. So, um, you know, I was I was I was definitely you know letting the ref have it uh, in my living room. <laughs> he was here. In the sta- he was here in the stadium as well. I'll, I'll tell you that the officials, you know, they show that that replay again. Not not as big a, a crowd as as last week. But uh, at, at the important times, a very vocal crowd, uh, very much into the game. And, and it, it was a really – I, I, I want to, you know, kudos to I – mean, it's not perfect, but, you know, kudos to the game experience. I think today, everyone who was, who was in attendance, um, I think staff bounced back. I, you know, I think there, there were all kinds of, you know, uh, issues in game one and two, but a, a much better experience today, I think, all the way around for a homecoming crowd. Austin to see them. Honor, honor Jim Westmoreland and Vontae Leach and, um, you know, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Billy Dye, who's a great friend, and, and others, you know, for, you know, for honoring, honoring those gentlemen and, and others for, um, 
um, accolades involved at East Carolina. I honored them today at halftime. And all the Letterman back, Luke Fisher and, 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 um, and, and Tony Collins sat with me most of the game. So I had a fun time laughing at him play by play as we were see, talking about letting the big dog eat. And, the, you know, he loves it. A running back gets, gets to eat like that as well. So we had a good time jawing in this game, guys. One of the f- best football experience I've had. Tony hadn't been in two years. He didn't go last year, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, not since things were better, but it was just good to kind of – there was a – it was like old-time East Carolina football here. When I say old-time, I mean when we're stroking it. So it was a really good game day experience. Hey, T, uh, what did you think of uh, uh, something I noticed on third down a couple times tonight? Uh, they broke out a little, uh, I don't know, it's this Motley Crew. I can't stop my heart. Or, oh, I can't. You, you know what I'm talking about? They, they played it a couple times on third down. Uh, I thought that was a, a, a pretty cool element to add. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, anything that, to, to get the crowd, you know, get the blood boiling. And, and, and um, you know, people got really vocal, you know, on, on both sides. And, um, and they made a good run at us, guys. The third quarter, you knew it was coming. We knew what they – I was at halftime, I was chatting back and forth, you know, texting with some friends, and we knew it was coming. We knew what they did yeah. uh, in Oklahoma when they closed the gap. and The two-point conversion is We knew what they're capable of doing, but I really thought the the measured um, – the pressure that we dialed up from time to time really unnerved him. We hit – how many times in this game was the game stopped for physicality? where we had nice, clean hits against their uh, receivers, even when they made a completion, where we knocked the ball, jarred the ball loose, took hard shots on their guys. Uh, Tulane's going to go back battered and bruised after this one, gentlemen. No doubt. AT, just to, you know, just to comment on that, I was uh, you know texting with some former players during the game. I cannot recall an East Carolina game in the last at least five to six years where we had so many physical hits twice on kickoffs, twice on kickoffs, our guys flew down the field and just laid out the returner. Um, I think Fleming had a big hit on a crossing route. I mean, it was fun to see. It's, it's just something we haven't seen in a long time. And it was like, it was like watching big 10 football out there. It was great. I, I, I I mean, look, if you're going to, Hey, win, lose or draw, you go all out, be physical. Um, knock on wood, um, you know, glad their players seem to all re- kind of recover. I'm sure there's going to be some some bruises and knocks. I'm sure for our guys who are playing so physical, they're not feeling right now. They're so excited after a big win. But <laughs> but you're right. I think we finally started to see a little, you know, enough depth there. We're able to rotate guys in. And the fact defensively that we weren't running to the ground early because we were able to sustain drives – was a key, maybe the key factor in the game. The fact that we actually, it's great to have, you know, Keaton Mitchell drop an 80 yarder on you, but guess what that means? Your defense gets to run right back out there. So it's really cool to see us have some sustained drives, you know, five, six, seven minutes, and, and um, you know, ultimately, you know, well over 30 plus minutes of, of time of possession. And um, to me, that was a big difference in the game. I mean, Tulane's going to get theirs, but the fact that our defense, uh, you know, could be so physical and um, you hate to see it when we, we back off the blitz and we step back in the shell to try to extend the game and you could just see Tulane, that momentum shift. But um, this our guys really responded and also made a great coverage on, a, on that onside kick um, opportunity. That they, they executed that very well, but our hands guys up front did a great job. Yeah, Aaron, you talk about some some guys laying licks on people uh, on kickoff specifically. Aaron Ramsor was one of those. Um, you talk mm-hmm. about the defensive backs coming up and and uh, laying the wood to folks. Um, Gerard Stringer, um, Coach Blake Carroll had talked about Gerard and how he had really stood out. You saw that tonight. Um, Gerard um, was playing with a ton of energy and re- really. Uh, had some nice shots on receivers, and then also uh, some by Jaquan McMillan, which you fully expect, and he had the pick as well. Man, I was so happy for Stringer tonight. I mean, that kid, he he played fantastic tonight. He made three or four excellent plays in space where he was one-on-one um, with a running back or a receiver, and he was able to make a clean tackle. Um, and that was that was happy to see coming off that that – Pretty serious injury last year. Um, great for him. He, he played fantastic. Um, you know, I thought I thought overall, you know, we we really 
we were dialed in. We were focused. We tackled much better today. You know, you didn't see those missed tackles. Um, maybe once or twice you saw Pratt escape from the pocket, but it was certainly nothing like last week. So um, that's the type of thing. Now, we, what we need to do is take this performance and build the consistency week over week and take it down to, uh, you know, take it into US, UCF um, and, and just make sure it carries over. Matt, quickly, you uh, you weren't in the stadium today. You watched it on ESPN Plus. Uh, you said not the best broadcast. Uh, uh, who was the uh, play-by-play and the uh, color analyst? Do you remember? You know what, Kyle? Was, honestly, I I don't even recall. I don't even okay. recall. <laughs> it, it wasn't. Uh, they weren't bad. It wasn't the most memorable. My feed was kind of in and out a little bit. Okay. So, so it was. Uh, it, I didn't have the greatest connection on my end. Gotcha. I, you know. Uh, don't know why Jason Halter doesn't get an opportunity to do more of our games, but uh, it's always good when he does. It's always good, good to have a pirate in the, uh, in the ESPN Plus booth. Um, and another interesting note on uh, Tulane, uh, speaking of ESPN, Tulane's got a turnaround guy Thursday night and play Houston. Uh, so they got a very quick turnaround to get back to New Orleans and take on the Cougs. So uh, uh, they're going to be sore and they got to get ready fast. And Houston, Houston looked pretty pretty good last night. If you had a chance to watch them, it's really cool to watch some of the some of the teams, some of the AAC teams starting to match up and who's really emerging. And Houston seems to have all the pieces to to, to make a run at this thing as well. You know, it was, you know, surprising to see Memphis lose today, but I know we talked about it a bit. But man, that is a short turnaround for a Tulane. But I once we beat them, I hope they create havoc and beat everybody else they played. Um, you know, and, and give, give them something to look at. Cause I think we, we, we've got some great opportunities ahead of us guys. We got three wins and definitely a, a, a set of games here going forward that I, I feel that we, at worst case, we're very competitive here going forward, wherever we go on the road and whatever we're doing. I mean, we've got some tough matchups and, and, you know, Gus Malzahn, um, they're going to be ready to respond. It's going to be a tough week of practice for UCF. They're too athletic to roll over. I promise you that. They're, they're not tied to one player. They've got a lot of talent on that roster. He'll find a way to, to engineer, um, you know, a, a, an offense that's going to score and, and, and try to be an opportunistic defense. So we, we're going to have our hands full next week, that's for sure. But but, I, but I'm going I'm to stick with the 24-hour rule and really soak in and enjoy this win for, for uh, this Saturday. Bob, we got any other comments from, uh, from, from viewers on Facebook, YouTube? Uh, Chuck chimed in jokingly saying that he was making his reservations for the Orange Bowl. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd go to that one, Chuck. Uh, hopefully, some bowl, but uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess it probably won't be the Orange Bowl. All right, guys. Hey, fellas, I want to I want to take a second too and just uh, mention. You know, I think I think DK Donnie Kirkpatrick did a did a great job tonight. You know, one of the one of the issues I've I've noticed over the first part of the season is that we've had a really hard time distributing the ball to our playmakers. Right. Yeah. So it seems like it's, it's, it's one guy per game tonight. If you look at it, we were able to get the ball to CJ a little bit on the outside. He had some nice plays. Um, we got it to Ryan Jones finally. Right. We've been hearing so much about his athleticism for two years. And it was great to see it in the game. Um, you know, obviously you get it to Calhoun a little bit. You saw uh, Audi um, and then obviously our, our, our great young running back. So I think this is the first time where we were really able to distribute the ball to all of our playmakers. And when we do that, I mean, and I, I forgot to mention Snead, of course, he's uh, old, old reliable. But uh, when we do that, it creates serious issues for the defenses. Um, so hats off to Donnie. Um, Great, great bounce back game plan by him. And Holton struggled a little earlier in this game, guys. If you notice, before he took off in that long run, which gave him a lot of confidence and kind of got him in his rhythm. You know, he missed CJ on a, on a throw that for a slant on that first series, which um, worried me a little bit. Well behind him, but but I I, ca- I recorded that play and went back and looked at it, and he had pressure right up the middle, and he took two steps back, was thrown off his back foot. But good, good to see him not. You know, to be resilient, and, and you know that—that's the name of the game, right? You got to have a short memory, and um, trusting your in your skills and instincts, and get back out there and make it happen. So, uh, we did miss a field goal, and I'm glad that didn't come back to, to haunt us. 
you know, in this ball game. And uh, but I think we really dominated special teams, I think, in, in so many ways. A quick kick by Holton, which pinned those guys back and, you know, helped burn, burn a little bit of time as well there in that critical, you know, that really challenging third quarter. So um, we threw the kitchen sink at this thing, guys. We really did. And a lot of I joked uh, with some folks sitting there with me that it felt like Caddyshack when the uh, when the when the priest was playing golf there for a little while. Things were all falling our way. And at least we didn't get struck by lightning. We talked about a lot of the individual defensive performances, but one thing I don't think we've touched on specifically is that the Pirates force four turnovers, and now that's 12 on the season, so nearly two and a half turnovers per game. And, uh, you know, that's just just tremendous, and that's something Blake Harrell has reiterated, you know, time and again, what a big emphasis that is in practice with the turnover circuit they have. We all remember the last – uh, coaching regime that we, we ranked near the bottom in NCAA and in turnover margin. And it was a big problem for us. And to see us, to you know, if look, we're starting to develop an identity. And I think today emerged, you know, that we know we're going to have the ability and we're going to need to score a lot of points guys. And with that, you know, your defense has to be opportunistic because it, because every team in this league can score. Um, so for us to be able to, 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 to win some games, you know, we, you know, we gave up 29 points and the first couple of weeks this year, that would have been enough to beat us in, in every game. But the fact that we're able to be so much pro prolific on offense and, and make this thing happen. I mean, that, that turnover margin on defense um, is, is I, I just can't emphasize what a big deal that is, you know, on, on the, on the college level, especially in this league. No doubt about it. Guys, are you are you? Do you guys have any concerns about our our field goal unit right now? It's it's it has me a little concerned with some of the things. Seems like we're just not really clicking. Um, it seems like we're we're a little hesitant to sometimes kick field goals when we're beyond thirty five yards. Yes, that's something we. I don't, I don't I don't know. Maybe I was talking to Bubba about it on the phone uh, before uh, before we got on the show. I was talking to somebody about it. Uh, there, there's got to be another kicker out there on our roster that has a, that, you know, if he's not as accurate, maybe has a bigger leg. Um, so uh, you, you might want to start playing two field goal kickers. You, you got to be able to kick one from beyond 40 yards. And uh, we clearly don't want to right now. Uh, the kid's very accurate within, within the 40 yard range. Uh, so that's fine. But, uh, you know, I know under Logan, I think we, uh, at one point, Andrew Bays kicked any field goals for us that were over 40 or 45 yards. So uh, the punter. So, I, uh, I I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, when, when you're not kicking field goals, um, when, when you, you know, I remember late in the game there, uh, we were up by 16, and a field goal would have put us up by 19, and we went for it and didn't get it. And um, uh, it was from the 28, and you don't kick a field goal. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we uh, I think we need to explore perhaps uh, playing two kickers. Yeah, good, 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 point. good, good point. I mean, we, we have, you know, a Ray guy quality punter and do, do a pretty good job on kickoffs, you know, um, touchbacks in the end zone and, and our kicks. But the field goal piece, we knew we had, you know, you can't have Jake Verity. We'd love to have Jake Verity every year. How about if that kid has stuck around for one more year? <laughs> that would have been pretty phenomenal. But, you know, we, we've, we got to make the best of what we got. It was pretty glaring, as you said, that we didn't seem to have confidence when a field goal would have put us up by three scores that we felt like we had to go for it on fourth and, you know, plus five. And we were just blessed to uh, get it four out of five times. But also, even the one that we lost, I think we had a turnover, like literally like the next play or two, right? I think we had a pick. Maybe that was the case that, that allowed us to, to really kind we of did. gloss over that play. That, that could have been, another again, another key play for us. But uh, that's something I'm sure we're going to continue to explore because one of these games is going to come down to the ability for us to drive the field and our, our, our kicker to make a key kick. It's going to happen. Mm -hmm. This league is too even. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Like I said, I do think the kid is accurate from within 40 yards. It's just uh, we, we need somebody that will be able to step out there and uh, at least be able to attempt a long kick. Yeah, we certainly wouldn't be, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't be very confident if we were in a, you know, 
27-24 game with a minute left and we're lining up to kick a field goal yeah. right now. So I think that's just one thing that, you know, going into conference play here, I think, you know, we need to address that a little bit. But, hey. Uh, Matt, one thing I wonder, and I want to look at the trajectory of his kicks, uh, the fact that he is accurate from short range, uh, but they don't even want to attempt one from beyond 40. Uh, I wonder if he has a really low trajectory with kicks, meaning uh, don't want to get it blocked. Could be Kyle. You know, it's I I I can't really t- see that angle on 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 TV when I watch, but it, it certainly could be. And it just seems like that ball is is not coming off his foot accurately once he goes out beyond that you know thirty seven thirty eight uh, yard range. Yeah. Well, we all know that that, that scenario is practiced quite often uh, on the practice field, right? Um, yep. Pressure kick, and if he's not kicking it at a percentage that they're comfortable with. Uh, on a, on a day to day basis that 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 shines through on on Saturdays. I mean that's for sure. So um, you know if we're looking for areas of improvement, that that's clearly one that we've got to got to continue to shore up. And um, I'm sure that'll that'll be one of the questions that'll pop up with coach this week. No doubt. Guys, we got anything else? Ready to put this thing to bed? What are some of the games around the nation of culture I, um, this evening or earlier today? Uh, one, one of the ones that stood out uh, as far as the early games, Tennessee, I'm putting 62 on Mizzou, yep. uh, 60, 62 to 24. And then you also had uh, tonight uh, in my contest, uh, I think I had taken Mississippi State in the points. I don't remember exactly what that spread was, but – Mike Leach's teams have traditionally played well in College Station, and the way Texas A&M have been struggling on offense, I thought Mississippi State may very well go in there and uh, pull it off, and they did just that. Yeah, uh, big win for uh, Mike Leach, who I'm a huge fan of. So glad to see him having success in the SEC. Um, I, I don't. I, one we discussed earlier, of course, the, the huge mega matchup between UConn and Vanderbilt. That was one that I'm sure everybody was waiting on. Uh, Louisiana Tech and Skip Holtz uh, almost got it done against NC State. Uh, they they were they they had a they had a pass to the end zone there late in the game to uh, to potentially tie it, and uh, unfortunately, NC State hung on to win. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that caught my eye. Uh, uh, obviously, Cincinnati over Notre Dame. Uh, we hadn't talked about that. He wins for the conference. Well, for me, the big game that that may not mean a lot to many, but the fact that um, kind of quietly, uh, Wake Forest is five and zero and had yeah. a big win over Louisville. What a sound program that coach runs! It's so hard. I mean, Wake Forest is literally Vanderbilt. That's that's who they are. Uh, there are so many things that stack up against them, but they're able to recruit the the, the type of athlete to their system and what they want to do. And they force other teams that have to respond to them. And it's not like Georgia Tech where they're running like a gimmick, you know, like a, a Navy-type offense that, that's non-traditional. Wake does it. They just do a really good job with their program, guys. And it's neat to see some of the teams that are sitting here in 4-0 and and 5-0 and as we kind of look around look around the region. You know, Coastal scored their uh, weekly 59 points against the sacrificial lamb that, that they played. <laughs> we all saw and. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's good to see kind of what's happening around. And I also know a lot of people probably uh, their eyes popped when they saw our score today. And they need to understand um, East Carolina's coming and there's hell to pay. We, we're getting ready to show some folks some things. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, AT. And uh, I, I wonder, you know, that would have been a good night to close it on. I should have just shut up right there with what you just said. But, uh J.B. Chadwell down there at Coastal Carolina, uh, he guys runs a unique offense. It's a, it's a kind of a triple option based out of the based out of the spread, um, and I think it's kind of kept him from getting other job offers. Um, I wonder at what point somebody's willing to give that a chance at a Power Five school because uh, uh, he does nothing but win. I, I tell you, Kyle, I, I love that system. I, I think it's incredible what he's doing down there. And, you know, you could see him going to a school that's, you know, a, a P5 school that's maybe a sort of like a middle of the pack type program, right? Like maybe, let's say, you know, not to pick on like a Maryland, all right, but somebody somebody in a major conference who is, is sort of middle of the pack to lower tier and they need a certain type of scheme to elevate their program a little bit. I think it's going to happen this year. 
I think it'll happen. I'll tell you where I'd like to see him at, just because they are traditionally a triple option team and uh, haven't ran it in years. Uh, if, what about if Nebraska decides they want to give her to Scott Frost? Uh, go Ooh. take that system up there and uh, kind of harken back to the old days, what they used to do, except different. That's a that's a perfect – man, that's a perfect fit. I agree. I like that. Bubble, another, game I don't, yeah. another game I don't think has been mentioned. Uh, how about Stanford knocking off Oregon? Yeah, a huge upset for Stanford. Uh, uh, they uh, man, Stanford's an interesting team this year. They they're kind of they're kind of Jekyll and Hyde. They they get up for the big ones, though, don't they? And another surprising undefeated uh, Kentucky uh, knocks off Florida uh, today. Yes, so Kentucky's undefeated. That. So now Florida is at three and two, a team that. Um, had Alabama uh, really press Alabama to, to you know, could have won that game. So the SEC has got you know some surprising scores, and Arkansas got absolutely uh, when, when they went up with the smell test today against the, the dogs. You know Georgia absolutely laid the wood to them, thirty-seven to nothing. So uh, we see who the who the real contenders are. I mean Georgia. People keep wanting to doubt Georgia, but when you can play – Georgia and Alabama are great examples of when you have just overwhelming defense that it makes up for so much else. And even without Georgia's starting quarterback, they dominated uh, today over Arkansas. And so so Kentucky and Georgia really you know, kind of caught my eye today. And then Alabama do what Alabama always does. I think, it, I feel, I think it's a two-team race this year, fellas. I think it's Georgia and Alabama. Um, and, and man, is Georgia impressive. That nose, that nose guard they have, he must be 340 pounds, and, and he is just impossible to block. Um, so I think it's a two-team race right now. And, and Oregon, you know, I, I'm not a, Pac, a Pac-12 guy, uh, so I was, I was happy to see them lose, get them out of there. It was neat to hear, hear uh, some, 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 uh, some of the talking heads today talk about some of the trends we're seeing out in college football right now and, and how people are trying to respond to the um, – and Alabama's doing some of this too and some others, how they're responding to the spread and the tempo offenses we're seeing. You're seeing a lot of defenses. If You know, the ones that have those – if they've got one or two, you know, uh, first-round, second-round type defensive linemen, they're going to a 3-2-6 or mm-hmm. a 3-3-5 defense – and how that that's really uh, turning it turned out to really be a, an anecdote for the up tempo, keeping everything in a shell in front of you, being able to create pressure with two or three guys up front, and it's really neat to see the the evolution of the game for teams that could pull off a defense like that and what an advantage that creates when you got ball hawking cornerbacks uh, and safeties that can come up and play you know run support and, and cover, and that three two six or three three five that some of these guys are running. Is, 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 a, is a big innovation. It's really – that's the next big thing right now happening in college football. Yeah, no doubt. And another little little note here, as you talk about it, Georgia and, and Alabama looking like the two best teams in college football and Oregon going down. Obviously, Clemson, you know, aren't what they normally are. As you kind of look at things, Cincinnati's going to have a legitimate shot of making the playoff. And, uh, they are. Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, you know, you won't be as excited about it as you normally would be because they're leaving the league for the Big 12. But uh, I really believe uh, since he's going to have a legit shot, of course, I hope we ruin it for him. I hope they come in here undefeated last week of the regular season and, you know, ready to to make the playoffs. And we cost ourselves a few million dollars. Yeah, we either it's one of those win-win, right? You either take the check or you take the pride. Either one. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But I, I've been broke they, all my life, they, AT. They, you know, they, they got one of those Chotskys today by by knocking off, you know, Notre Dame. Um, I think Notre Dame and North Carolina both were uh, probably significantly uh, higher esteemed in the preseason than than they turned out to be. Notre Dame can't run the ball to save their life. I mean, they're they're really struggle and. Um, Kind of neat to see Cincinnati pass their first real stress test by going to Indiana on the road and getting in trouble and, and finding a way to win that game. That was a very tough game for them. And 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 they built on that and, and now knocking out the other team in the state of Indiana, knocking out 
Notre Dame. And, and, and you know, I, I, I can't help it, even though they're running around carrying a Big 12 flag in their stadium now, um, having somebody from our league uh, yeah. to, 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 to crash the party is still a big deal, you know, and, and seeing that happen, um, it's, it's kind of hard. I mean, I'll, obviously, I, I want to whoop their butt, um, you know, the final home game we have. But, but uh, let's hope we're in that position to have that problem when we get down here in the last game of the regular season. Yeah, no kidding. A lot of football to be played between now and then. Uh, but it sure would be fun to have a bowl game locked up and uh, be trying to be trying to knock off Cincinnati uh, j- just just for another win. Don't want to be playing them for bowl eligibility. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Bub, we got anything else? Are you ready to, to, to put it to bed? We'll go ahead and uh, wrap the show up. Um, obviously, this coming week, and with the Pirates traveling down to Orlando to take on UCF, and we'll catch up with some of our friends from down there in Orlando, uh, likely Jeff Allen of the Nightline Sports Network and the AAC Report, and we'll have that for you on Thursday. And then, of course, the Pirate Football Playback next Saturday following the game. Uh, for Kyle Barber, Matt Semenza, and Alan Thomas, I'm Bob Rosenbaum, and you've been listening and watching the Sports Objective and the Pirate Football Playback. Have a great weekend, everyone. Go Pirates. Yo, what's going on, y'all? This is Udon Cheek, assistant track and field coach at East Carolina University. You are plugged into the Sports Objective Podcast. If you are a fan, you are plugged into the right place. And if you're really a fan, you will share that link. My heart is purple and gold. I'm a pirate down to my soul. And I don't back down, not at all. Find out when the cannons explode. Boom!